Dirt, a Go Loud original. Welcome to Dirt with Dermot and Paul. What's on the menu this week, Dermot? Well, we've just had photographs taken for the front cover of our new book, haven't we, Paul? We have. We've been out in the garden and it's been good fun. We haven't got a great track record with photographers, but this one was good. I'm going to edit that to you haven't got a great track record with photographers, but we had great fun and they were really cool and it worked. But that's slightly unfair because I have heard you tell the story of the photographer who arrived, who was completely disinterested. Yeah, but... And they the were other photographer work. who came along and made us hold mics as No, if that they was were... you because you didn't, you had no will to live that particular day and a poor photographer had to come into the middle of that day and endure you. But this one was great he and we had still, good fun. He still wouldn't listen to my suggestions about where the picture for the front cover should be taken. You should stick to what you're good at and you're good at being uh, a gardener. But we reckon he took a good picture. Yeah. And we have now a cover for our book, which leads us on to the other topic that we're going to discuss. We're going to talk about favourite gardening books. And we have a whole range of them today in the studio to kind of review because it's November, coming up to the gift giving season and nothing better than gardening books. (laughs) You've just got a tap on the back for doing a brilliant job of saying all the things you're meant to say. Um, but yeah, we are going to talk books. We're going to go through our favourites. And If you're listening to the podcast, let me just paint the picture. These two are looking at me. Well, it's as if I'm facing a firing squad. And I've done nothing wrong, so I don't know why. We're also, um, we're going to hear from Paul, the technician, Paul Bonas. Oh, Paul is coming in. We have... A brilliant, we have a far better Paul than this one. And he has a fantastic question that we can't wait to hear. Better houseplant. Welcome to Dart with Dermot and Paul. Or should it be Dermot? Because Dermots don't have a great track record. They're not very sexual, was the term. What? Joanne and, um, what's her name? Vogue. Oh, I didn't hear this. So yeah. slagging off Dermots. Dermots. Dermot. Well, they weren't slagging them off. I think they were saying they're good company, but... No Dermot Look, has my be regarded as being very sexual. Me, as far as he concerned, as far as he was concerned, was the dog's bollocks until last week when they slagged Dermots and all of a sudden they might as well not exist. And it's the worst podcast ever and he doesn't want to hear it anymore. And yet, on the way in here today, I got a lift with Dermot and we listened to the episode where they slagged Dermots off. <laughs> the Joanne was in, or Vogue was in, Greece on holidays. And you no, know the way, no. Joanne was looking after her children at home. And Vogue was in Greece. No, oh, sorry, it's the other way around. Yeah. Well, one of them was in Greece. And you know when you're on holidays, you always kind of hook up with the Irish folk out there because that's what you do. And one of them was called Dermot. And she said no Dermot was ever sexual because all the Greece are so flirtatious and lovely. And then Irish people are just a bit boring, really. That's well, it. My Therapist Goes to Me is the number one podcast in the country. So, you know, most weeks at this stage. So you should probably she listen. could be onto something there. Maybe there needs to be more slagging of Dermot's in general on this podcast. <laughs> I'm all for that. <laughs> is Dermot and Dave Dermot around? 
Yeah. Or is there, oh, no, he's not around. He's hiding in the cupboard. We know for fact. He texts this morning to say he's hiding in the stationary cupboard because he mightn't have told him that he's impersonating him on telly. Well, he tried to tell him, but he doesn't answer his phone. And the only way to get to him is via I don't know what. Yeah, but it's even worse because I have ignored a couple of calls from him because... I don't like talking to people on the phone. And I never listen to messages that are, are left. And then he sent me a message. Oh, just uh, wanted to say thank you for the garden. The garden is great. And now it turns out he doesn't. This is why he's been trying to get to me manically, because he's taken the piss on Oliver Callan's show. We'll get him on here, will we? Yeah, I think we need to. I think we need to. I think he I think he owes it. I think if he's slagging you off, he well, owes us an appearance. I tell you, if you get him on here, can I have a week off? Sure, I get a week off then. No, he can do the show with Paul. Oh, Can we have him do <laughs> it me. instead of him? <laughs> and I'll just be me, because that's easy. <laughs> I'd love that. It's, it's great crack. I've done an interview with him, as in pretending he was this Dermot and it's very confusing and quite hilarious you do have to keep up and it gets very tiring but it's great crack we'll have to does he not just sit in the corner scrolling on an iPad during the whole thing (laughs) no no he's actually very engaging and interesting (laughs) you did say we have to sign Dermot off more (laughs) and Aideen is back in the room (laughs) okay well we have a bit of gardening yeah why not welcome to Dirt Dirt with Dermot Gavin and Paul Smith a Go Loud original. Paul, you're one of the tech guys here. I am. What yeah. does that mean? It means usually I make all these studios work. Yeah. Uh, most of the time, anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Paul, you're quite unusual for a tech guy because you have a big smile. Why do I, are, they norm- are we normally grim and miserable? And also, you said you DJ. Yeah, presenter on on two of the stations, on Spin and 98, jack of all trades. And you have a plant problem. I have a big plant problem. I have like the biggest plant problem I've ever seen. So uh, my partner is big into plants and he's gotten quite big into it over lockdown. And they are now dotted in, I live in Jumanji, basically. So they're they're everywhere <laughs> around their house. So these are house plants, indoor plants. Indoor plants, everywhere. He's not an outdoor plant person because he's afraid of spiders. So there's, uh, so there's lots of indoor plants around the house and they've been quietly growing both like literally and figuratively over the last couple of months, you know, the, the number of them and the size of them. And then a few months ago, I came home from work and I met him in the hall and he's like, don't be mad. There was a spider. No, I thought that's what I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be something like that. I met him in the hall and he was like, don't be mad when you go in the kitchen. I was like, what have you done? What, like, is, what did he buy? I yeah. bet you he bought a monster or something like that. A Swiss cheese plant. Or a... So I walked into the sitting room and <laughs> what I could, there was like the hatchback of plants in the room. It is like, I've never seen anything so big in my life. Wow. And I laughed initially and I said, that's so funny, it has to go. <laughs> and... I've been kind of banging that drum now for a few months. And don't get me wrong, like I like plants as well. And I don't exactly like to throw this into a skip or something like that. But it's like, it's too big to stay in the house. It's so, we live in an apartment. Like it's not, it's not a huge place. That This belongs in like the reception of Facebook, not in a two bedroom apartment. Where did he find it? How did he, did he, kind he of entered, come across it in some dodgy side alley? Or how, how did he, he get a plant so big? He <laughs> entered a competition on Instagram and it like, in just, such a naive saw was like it looked smaller in the picture so and then he said it arrived on the back of like a lorry and they they it didn't fit in the lift to bring it up to the apartment and then when he it was in like cling film or whatever and when he took the cling film off it kind of just 
explode its size wise. But the thing that I was actually getting, I was getting used to it for a while, right? Until about two months ago. What's going to say? When I came home from work. What's the problem? And this is, this is, yeah, yeah, aside from the size, <laughs> I came home from work and there was like this, like, I can only describe it as like a minty smell. In, in the house, right? It's like musty, minty smell. And I was like... A I, musty, minty, because a minty smell is a very nice smell. Fresh. Yeah, but this wasn't like, this wasn't like nice minty. This was like, there's a gross minty smell. This is like someone's left, you know, a Wrigley in a pair of jeans for 10 years kind of smell, <laughs> right? So I was like, I don't like this. And I was trying, I couldn't figure out what it was. And like, I just thought it was leaves on the plant. So I was like, it's not going to be the plant. Anyway, eventually I went investigating and in the middle of the plant was like this sphere of like, it looked like a kind of a big uh, kind of deodorant bottle, right? That had opened, like four sections of it had opened and out of it had come this like, I can even just describe it. Is so or is it a plant? It sounds like... Yeah, it sounds like it. an excited dog, not a plant, as I described this. I was just like, <laughs> I, it's so gross looking. And I, I was retching. I was like, I can't, it's like, it's like, I made him put a plastic bag. <laughs> I'm going to put a plastic bag over this th- part of it because I couldn't even stand the sight of it. And I was like, we need to get... And that's when I was just like, Do you know what? There's a podcast at work. I 100% need to ask about this because this plant needs to go. But my question was, was I, no one wants it. Everyone, by the way, we've said this to. I was like, we have this plant we don't want. And all of our friends are like, ah, someone will take it off you. And then we showed them the size of it and they're like... Ah, someone else will take it <laughs> off you. Like, nobody wants it. It's so big, right? So are you turning this podcast into like a dog pound yeah. for plants? Is that what you're doing? <laughs> it's actually more like a classified. <laughs> but uh, So what I was trying to ask was, I, I we're moving soon and we're going to have an outdoor space and I want to put it like out of back garden or my mum is huge into planting. So you want to find out what the plant is and will it survive exactly. outside because... There is only room for for it outside. There is no inside that is big enough for this plant. <laughs> I cannot wait to see. What do you think it's going to be? Uh, well, uh, I don't know. It's going to be just. I don't know. It's it's weird that it produces that smell that it opens up and the gives birth to an thing alien. And, and, and yeah, yeah, it gave birth to a what was it exactly? It was just like a, it looked like. Did it piece, go away? It went away. It went away after like two days, and he was like, "It only does it once a year." <laughs> Trying to defend the plant, so uh, so, and I'm like to me, I, I'm I'm only sort of having it like on a countdown on my phone of like how long it's going to be until it opens again because I can't be there when it opens again. <laughs> it's so gross. Okay, so. Can, can we see? Yes. Are okay. So to... this is this is it. So Paul has shown us. Uh, oh, it's a philodendron. Oh yeah, it oh. is giant stuff. This picture doesn't do it. This is when it first arrived. <laughs> it's been nurtured in fairness for about four months since then and it is just What's like, your partner's name? Luke. Does he want a job in our plant shop because he obviously <laughs> grows plants very, very well. Um, He'd be proud of that. The philodendron uh, that it's totally like, not going to work a, outside. That's the only That's thing. a 60 inch TV beside it. Hey! <laughs> hey not, not, not. I've had my I have a philodendron growing outside. And what do you do with it in the winter time, John? I bring it inside. <laughs> Into the house. And what happens every cut winter? That, you cut have that bit. <laughs> so will, will it survive outside? No. In, no. That's, can we, okay, we'll just, damn it. <laughs> so, <laughs> can you not just do, can we do like a but, unique but, but, cut of this podcast that I can play him that says it will survive outside? Well, we can record okay, our own let's, let's, let's do that. Let's, uh, three, two, one. Yes. It'll That's survive right. outside. Yeah, yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll be outside. absolutely fine Perfect. outside. Grand. Yeah, yeah. It'll it thrive. Beautiful. It's going outside. Yeah. Beautiful. 
It might will <laughs> put it there for the first two years. <laughs> so, it, so will it survive outside in summer slash spring? Yes. Yeah, it actually will survive outside early well, in the year and also after the May. And after May, it'll, it'll be fine. May to mid-September, October. Mine is still outside now. This time of year, you'd want to start bringing it in. Like this morning, it was four degrees. No, I, I don't want to start bringing well, it in. It, he wants to start bringing it in. Personally, I think that's brilliant. And is your new house smaller that you're going to? Uh, no, it's bigger. Like there's a back garden. Like so, oh, it'll have. Surely the plant inside. When does the thing happen? It happens in like happens around my oh, birthday, oh, which oh, is the worst thing. It's the worst birthday present <laughs> ever. Just leave it outside for part of the year. When is your birthday? August. Oh, then leave it outside. Yeah. 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 Perfect. But Sounds like, like will power, it will right? it but will it die outside you know, or will really it just not weird, like Paul, it? It's such a handsome plant. It is a nice. plant. It's a gorgeous plant. But it's a nice plant if you're like a large multinational, not like <laughs> for like a nice big reception area. <laughs> you don't have thirty like, people working here. <laughs> <laughs> you need like three hundred. I I wish this picture of it doesn't do the scale. It's can, a, and everyone who walks in, can what you show me the picture again, please? Everyone who walks in, even when our landlord walked in, they walked in and they're like. Everyone does this fake, fake like, oh, it's gorgeous thing. It's like if when you see a baby, but the baby doesn't look great. You kind of, you kind of go, oh, it's gorgeous, kind of thing. Like, but I think it is. Like, I love that. Oh, it's fantastic. Why do you want it to die? Do I have to answer that on this podcast? <laughs> no. I feel like I'm admitting murder if I say that. No, we'll wait until the recording. I do. <laughs> it's it's absolutely thriving. It's growing. In, it's this picture of when it first arrived. Uh, no, that's like after like uh, two months, I think. Yeah, mind you, it is like an elephant's ear. It's so big. Yeah. Oh it's, yeah. It's each each leaf on it is like the size is, of a head. Yeah. Bigger than someone's head. It's like. giant. Yeah. And Luke obviously loves this thing. He loves this thing. Right. Yeah. I love it. So it's a bit of a. This he loves is it actually, more than me, which is the worry. This is more of a relationship question than a plan. <laughs> yeah. But we often get these <laughs> as gardeners. <laughs> you spend your time having these domestics with people. Um, I love it, but. Well then, I and would, then this brings me on to my second question. Then, right? <laughs> if I can't, is there like an orphanage for plants? To like, yeah. like, there's like garden. there's Facebook groups that people put up plant swaps, and you'll be able to put it up there. And some yes, and you put something inside it that make it look smaller than it really is. So you know you have the scale wrong. Whoever comes and collects, yeah, it, yeah, go, yeah. Because oh, this is it. I was like, uh, when he won, <laughs> when he won, I'm not going to say the the plant place that he won it off. But when he won it, I was like, get in touch with them, will you? And be like, <laughs> take it back. And because it was a really popular raffle they had, I was like, they love to give it away again, right? And uh, I was like, offer to give it back and like see if you can get like a little potted plant. And they came back and they were like, like no, it's too big to take back. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, no. It's it's the most brilliant plant problem we've ever had. <laughs> yeah. But you could donate it to the Botanic Gardens. It is the type of thing that you need like a big, huge glass house to actually keep it alive over winter if you don't want to put it in the sitting room. So like, do you know anyone who has massive big glass houses exactly, nowadays? Exactly, yeah. Like, it's not... Yeah. I mean, we don't even have space for something like that. The building doesn't have space for something like that. Like, it's it an like, apartment block. Yeah, it's an apartment block. Could you yeah. leave it in a communal area? Kind of like, you know the way they do gorilla planting? It's not that kind of, which is of a, apartment block. Gee, <laughs> I know exactly I, where it should go. Over to London with us. The scary agent. Yeah, can we bring it to London? <laughs> what? What is it? What's well, what? l- last week we spoke about uh, Dermot's agent in London. He's quite scary. Well, Dermot calls him scary, but I don't think he is. He has to do his office up, basically. Talk about he wants new plants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he wants plants in the office, and we need big plants. That would be perfect. See, now I can go home and I can... No, 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 no. There what? is a problem. As a spokesman, spokesperson oh, for the UN... Brexit. There is a problem with this because you're not allowed export plants from Ireland 
to the UK. Oh, maybe you are. You're not allowed to import them. Yeah, it works. Anyway, what about this building that we're working in? This building? Yeah. If there's a cupboard in this building, it's already been turned into a studio. <laughs> there is no room for a plant in this building. The main reception. It would look bloody Whoa. fabulous down there. Okay. <laughs> Have you not seen my plant out here? Which I think you comment on every time he's passed to go, he's killing the plant. I am not a plant person. So it, it can't come. It'll die here. Quicker what? than it'll die at home. And at that, I'm contemplating putting domestos into it. So... so <laughs> No, no, that's a slow <laughs> You want something quicker. <laughs> he actually, yeah, he, he sent me the name of it. It, it has was, a really suitable name for it because it says like, it's like Megatron or something. <laughs> uh, what was it? There, a... Uh, Philodendron Gigantium. A Gigantium. <laughs> Which would make... A Gigantium. I mean, the clue was there, wasn't it? <laughs> a Gigantium. And that's what I said to him. was like, when you wanted a plant called Gigantium, did you not think it was going to be too big for the apartment? <laughs> This is the best dilemma ever. So, so if there's any listeners then to the podcast who would like, if they have something smaller... Why don't we do a giveaway? Yeah. We do one on this. But it's not my plan to give away. It is my plan to give away. But if if someone would like a bigger plant in exchange for a smaller plant... I'm all for that. It sounds like an interesting exchange. What do you think, Paul? Yeah, yeah. We'll find... There's houseplants nuts everywhere, especially in the city. So there'll be somebody who wants it. Fabulous. Yeah. Sorted. I knew this was the right place to go. It was either that or some sort of relationship therapy. <laughs> it's one or the two. Paul, we can do that too. <laughs> Clearly. Dirt. A Go Loud original. Oh, you wise old gardener of old... Do you have a favourite gardening book? Do you want to... Rephrase that? Yeah. <laughs> so you grew up at a time when books were more oh, than normal. Oh, feck off with your... You grew up. We, we're living on the earth at exactly the same time. I'm a couple of years older than you. I'm lucky you mightn't get here. Now, what do you want to ask me about books? That's how you get his attention. <laughs> do you have a favourite one? <laughs> Yeah, I've many different favourites. I've talked before about Paradise Transformed, haven't I? You have, yeah. This is the one that changed my life. Um, well, it changed my life in that it gave me hope because I saw that uh, back in the 80s. And the front cover, describe the front cover to me. It's a pyramid of grass with a load of water in the front of it. Well, it's a kind of swirl. It's a kind of paisley pattern of grass, a mound, a hill, and reflected in a pond. And you've said nothing about the trees in the background. There's some nice trees in the background. It's in a parkland setting. And there's a bit of a shadow, and it's a parkland setting. Um, To be honest, if I'm going to be honest, that doesn't fill me with... It's not the most exciting. I agree. What, What is it then that makes it for you the most amazing book that transformed your life? Back in the mid-80s, I saw a review of this in the Irish Times. This picture was printed and it was something that was different. So it showed me that somewhere in the world people were making gardens that were different. This, I would go on to learn, is a representation of black holes and the creation of the universe in garden form. So it's a contemporary book uh, uh, about gardening uh, written by Guy Cooper and Gordon Taylor. The particular garden we're talking about is the Garden of Cosmic Speculation by Charles Jenks and Maggie Heswick. But in this book, there were gardens from all around the world, all of them that were different, all of them that were saying something um, really contemporary, different ideas behind them, different, uh, you know, people using intellect and not just aping 
um, contemporary the work of Marty Schwartz Jack Wirtz who's you've heard of Jack Wirtz have you? No. Who uses the um, the form of the hedge to create uh, some really really beautiful uh, blocks of topiary uh, in contemporary settings and it just gave me hope that there was a marketplace out there for something contemporary there were people doing gardens that were different in Hamilton Finlay Little Sparta in Scotland Is the garden a cosmic speculation in Scotland? It is it's, yeah okay. it, it is so uh, all sorts of people and you know the funny thing about it they reprinted the book years later and who was the dedication to? Would you look at that? I know and it was the book that changed everything for me says to Dear McGavin. I know, wasn't that sweet? So that I'm very fond of that because I became a friend of the two boys, uh, but especially Gordon, who is uh, an avuncular American. So that's your... Well, it's a book that not just is your favourite, but it changed... It, it, it changed everything. Now, from the sublime to the <laughs> sublime again, did you ever hear of a guy called Dr. D.G. Hessian? I actually did. What do, you, what do you know Ooh, about him? I just know that that book is at home in my parents' house. It's Every in everybody. It's next to the Bible in everybody's and a picture of JFK and the Pope. Uh, it's it's the expert series of books. I think he was a Hungarian emigre into England. He became the head of Pan Britannia Industries, the people who produce Baby Bio. Did you know that? I didn't know that. No. And in his spare time, he wrote these books and they became some of the best-selling books on any subject in the world. And funnily enough, so I've, I've brought my books into studio today and when I put this down on the table when myself and Paul were having a cup of coffee outside, Paul flicked through it and he said, actually, do you know what? Now, this is a slim paperback. Not very substantial at all. He says, this is all you need if you want to garden. And it's called The Garden Expert. He also then, when this became a run, runaway hit, he did The Houseplant Expert, The Bulb Expert, The Tree and Shrub, The Lawn Expert. So The Expert on any area of gardening, The Rose Expert. And they're all written simply and beautifully. They're very well illustrated. The language isn't pompous. And they just show you how to garden. And they haven't been bet. It goes through everything that we go through in this podcast, basically. Um, it's very basic. There's nothing polished about it. But the information is there. And if you don't mind going through looking for a particular thing, you'll find it in those books. They're really, really well done. Well, you said there's nothing polished about it, but it's so easy to use. And that, in terms of gardening, well, yeah, which is so full sense. of mystery for, for people, it, it covers everything. It, uh, some of these books show you how to make a garden. Some tell you about information on every rose that has ever uh, uh, existed. They tell you how to pot up plants and containers. They give you information on design, on creating a pond. And none of this information changes down through the decades. And I think this is a brilliant series of, of books. And I think every gardener should have one. Soft fruit troubles, Paul. Do you have any soft fruit troubles? Not presently, Mr. Gavin. But if I have any, I shall refer back to you. Uh, you, you pointed in something there about how gardening hasn't really changed. And with the Instagrams that we do, occasionally people send us books and old things that they found 
We've had a few old, old books, and it's interesting. You go back 100 years ago, even 200 years ago, and read a book about gardening, and the basics are still the same. You know, it hasn't really... Some of the methods that, that gardeners used back then really are a little bit dubious, and they have no problem killing off things and introducing the most awful poisons to well, gardens. Yeah, certain things have, and their attitude has changed. So we're quite enlightened. But there. even in the 50 yeah, years yeah. since that doctor started to write those books, uh, the way we garden has really, really developed and become refined. But the very, very basics of it do remain the same. OK, 200 years ago, a garden of your house would have probably had eight staff in it. Uh, you know, it's that type of... <laughs> don't look at me like that. You, what? <laughs> you would have had staff going back. <laughs> you had a estate in Scotland, so don't don't even look at me like that. Yeah, you wouldn't you would. have even made the the role of the guy who pokes the pot scrubber, the pot scrubber, or kept the heater of the um, greenhouse, uh, the 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 boiler of the greenhouse heating system going overnight. Now there is an English uh, landscape. Designer was he a landscape designer or was he a gardener? William Robinson. What was his English? Sorry, he made his career in England, but he was in fact Irish. What was his role? He pioneered this idea of naturalistic gardening and observing plants growing in the wild and he wrote a book fields. called The Wild Garden which was his kind of most so he took the rules piece. of what he observed the way plants liked to grow and he transferred that to the controlled aspect of gardening and worked with people like Gertrude Jekyll whatever to he kind of came after the landscape movement which was Capability Brown didn't he in which case yeah, it was all quite a big hop there Paul yeah but it was the next you know movement on the from next that, couple of hundred years yeah, yeah. But people's attitude to gardening had really changed even in that time. This is my point. And anyhow, the point I made about him was he actually worked... There's a spoofing going on here, I think. No, no, no. He worked on an estate in Stradbally in County Leash. Mm -hmm. And seemingly, as a young student gardener, he was a bit like you. He had attitude. And he had so much bloody attitude. One night, as a student gardener, he went out after having a massive row during the day with his boss. And he said, you know what? Feck this for a game of soldiers. I'm up and I'm leaving this country. I'm going to somewhere where I'm respected. And on this really cold winter's night, he went out and he opened up every single window in the glass house, left the doors wide open, and the entire contents of that tropical glass house dead overnight. And he went off to England and made a career over there. It's a bit like coming in here and changing all the passwords. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah, it's that same. (laughs) It's exactly the same. (laughs) This is dirt. That's the dirt with the hot and ball. Yeah, we're definitely not leaving that. (laughs) (laughs) We're all awake now. (laughs) That's all you need. I have a book and it's a new book. And it's a book that I like and I want to talk about. In Kiltumper. Yeah, by, what is it, Niall Williams and Christine Breen. Ever heard of them? No. Well, there are a couple that are quite interesting. They seem to have quite a high faluting life in New York 34, 35 years ago. And while they were still relatively young, they decided to quit all of that, move over to the west of Ireland to a place called Kiltumper, I think not far from the Burn in County Clare, and set up this life where they basically made their money gardening and writing. So a total. I know change. a little bit about the book in that did she get ill and did yeah. she write the book while she was ill? 
Yeah. And did she take a lot of solace from the garden? I think so. And I mean, the garden has become one of their main obsessions while they're there. They have a little cottage and a really beautiful garden. And this book is done month by month. So they talk about the garden as it goes through the year. And it's Does anything of interest happen in January or February? It couldn't be any more interesting. I'm going to look at the month of February and there's a little section here. I'm going to give it to Aideen to read out. Oh, uh, okay. So here we go. All right. It's I think about one of my favourite plants. I know what you're Fantastic. leading up to because I must be in this book. Wouldn't be like you. <laughs> they must follow us on Instagram or our broadcast or something like that so they must talk about me. Well, let's see. So, this paragraph says, Back to the snowdrops. Ah, <laughs> an Irish expert on Galanthus, Paul Smith, says that... Uh, well, oh, hold on, hold on. Do you need glasses? No, why? Well, read it again. An Irish expert. An, <laughs> an Irish expert on Galanthus, Paul Smith. Yeah, it says it here in black and white, David. Says that you should grow snowdrops where they want to grow. Ideally in a God, he's, he's very bloody wise, that Paul Smith. <laughs> <laughs> you, so, you should grow snowdrops where they want to grow. Well, it's kind of like my parenting <laughs> advice. You should let children play where they want to play. <laughs> God, he's good, that Paul Smith. In the night. Uh, it's funny he shares a name with you. Yeah, weird, isn't it? <laughs> under the myrtle bush is perfect because the myrtle is under a tall copper beech tree. Oh, isn't that oh, it's just magical? Bucolic. It sounds idyllic. Uh, actually, beech trees and snowdrops are one of those really good combinations because the bark is so smooth and there's pure white flowers in spring. Really lovely. Is that your first time been mentioned in a book uh, that you haven't written? Or, yes, been accused of anything. And yes, I think it is. <laughs> Congratulations. And that is out now just in time for Christmas. Yeah, it's brand new out this year, published by Bloomsbury. And yeah, uh, ready for Christmas time. So it's cool. Um, we haven't read the entire book, but we understand it. And I do want to actually read it now cover to cover. Because you're in it. <laughs> and figure out who these people are and how they came to find out that I know anything about snowdrops. Well, maybe the next time you're bringing in a book to recommend on our podcast, you'd read it beforehand, not just your name. Well, or or ideally, maybe I'll get one that mentions you and that'll keep you quiet. How's that? <laughs> Too shy. Um, so I've brought, I've brought examples of other books that I love. Uh, a book on design by Dame Sylvia Crow, who was you know, of the modernist school and created really lovely gardens. But my favourite gardening writer of all time is this woman here. And I have to agree, it's Helen Dillon. You have a little kind of paperback book and the book that you have is basically little um, snippets of her year of writing or her years of writing for whatever newspaper it was at the time. It was the Sunday Tribune, so I've okay. opened up just by chance on the 12th of July 1992 and I want you to read me a couple of paragraphs of that. Okay. The title being How to Bear with the Boars. Gardeners who are content to take pleasure from their own gardens alone lead impoverished lives. Good gardeners are passionate garden visitors. Gardens, rather than words about gardens, are the best teachers of the art and craft of growing things. There is something to learn in any garden be it an unfamiliar plant or an imaginative use of an ordinary plant. Every garden has its unique personality, where you go to consult the genius of the place. I adore visiting gardens. I get a fair number of visitors myself, most of whom are delightful, say 
One percent came last Tuesday. <laughs> Is that you? Well, she. No, I was uh, always blood. She arrived unannounced at the door. <laughs> she had beat the shiny. I wasn't born in 1992. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> um, do you, will I talk about whoever this person was? Um, okay. Go on. Go on. I'll, I'll read the first. Uh, so it's about halfway through. She arrived unannounced at the door. She had beetle shiny eyes and a cotton hat set at a rather jaunty angle. I showed her out to the garden and hurried back to the word processor. Hidden by a curtain of clematis armandii and a butylon, I spotted her through the window, fingering a geranium. <laughs> Whereupon, brackets, thoughtfully fingering is invariably a danger signal, close brackets, I immediately forgot work. <laughs> I'll have to mind this one, I thought. She's She's been a Miss Marple and she knows that uh, this garden visitor has bad intent and she wants to take a cutting or a slip. Standing beside my regal lilies, neither the beauty nor the scent was remarked on. She launched into a monologue about her garden back in Sydney. Sydney. Uh, dropped a few names of Southern Hemisphere gardeners that I'd never heard of and finished with some handy advice on lily growing for me. Of all the boars, the gardening boar is perhaps the worst. <laughs> <laughs> Helen is brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I used to live for her gardening articles uh, every Sunday in the, in, in, in the Tribune. She just brought it to life with a turn of phrase, uh, a wit, a really... Democratised gardening, uh, uh, I think. Uh, the thing is, I read out, you know, the first paragraph of that article, but they all begin like that, and they all are of a similar sort of mind, or, you know, there's a similar tone to all of them, and you very much hear, if anyone has ever had the uh, privilege of meeting Helen Dillon, uh, that's her in real life as well, and that's really how she comes across, and you can nearly hear it, her saying oh, it yeah. in her uh, slightly... Uh, polished voice. What's her great phrase about a particular rose that is no good in bed? Uh, there's a rose called Lady Hillington and it's fantastic against the wall but not great in bed. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's, that's one of her. Well, our original podcast, uh, the very first episode was called Take a Biscuit and that was a Helen Dillon phrase that we took off of her. Every time somebody in her garden, be it a student or at the time of... Got us, an answer right. Yes, did anything right, you got the phrase. Uh, uh, take, take a biscuit. Take a biscuit. One of, another of my favourite gardening books is one that I searched the shelves for this morning and then on the way and you told me, oh, I have that. Yeah, you gave it to me on the I day. Didn't, this I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, you nicked it. No, you said, you take this home, you scared young man, as the world enters this fearless, perilous stage of lockdown and no one knows what's happening. And off I went down to Carlo with this book. Um, what's it called? It's Derek Germain is the author. What's the book called? Derek German. Derek German's Garden. So he was an avant-garde artist, filmmaker, um, pop video director. And he was diagnosed with HIV AIDS when there was no cure for that condition. And he took himself off to Dungeness on the south coast in Kent into the most inhospitable environment, a place where 
they even get tornadoes, I think, in the um, shadow of a big nuclear power station Pretty on grim a shingled place. Oh, it was so grim. Exist, wasn't it? Yeah, he yeah. bought himself a little cottage, a wooden cottage. Which, tin, wasn't it? Or tin or wooden? No, it, it was wooden and it was painted with black tar. And yellow one around the rims of the window, yeah. That, uh, that's right. And he lived there for the last years or however of his life and he started to make a garden. But he made a garden in the most, not incredible way. Well, it was incredible, but he basically used what was around him. He used all available natural resources to him. And he very much, we always talk about this here and everywhere that we talk about gardening. We gardened with nature and that was exactly what he did there. He only gardened in a very, very gentle and sympathetic way to where he was. He was going through such a tough time in his life he recognised that plants also go through a tough time. He bought plants from a local nursery, reflecting, understanding that whatever was sold there would grow in the area. Or he found native plants and he created this miniature landscape. It's not very big, but it really is quite extraordinary because it echoed what he was going through. The tough times. Sometimes the winds and the storms made him think his house was like Dorothy's in the Wizard of Oz that would take off into the sky. And he just imagined what those sedums and succulents and grasses were going through outside. Yeah, we were talking about this outside and I commented on how it's not a particularly long book. And at the end of it, you're kind of left... Well, I felt I was nearly left with more answers than anything else because, number one, who was this man and what was the whole backstory to this? And you're sort of, it's a curious book. It's not, well, it is a gardening book and it's about how gardening helped him on that journey that he was on, ultimately, I suppose, his uh, terminal illness. But it it was just, uh, yeah, it, it just left me with a lot more questions and also an appreciation of, you know, that mentality that we hark back to the whole time of gardening in a way that you're meant to garden. And I think Helen says it very nicely in her book that you learn so much from observing, going visiting gardens. And she didn't say listening to the gardeners who work there, observing what plants are doing, seeing how they have been used. So he was all about observing and making connections with his um, with his own life. And I think his book, Derek Jarman's Garden, is as much about the photography. So his friend Howard Suley took a series of photographs at that time Uh, documenting the creation of the garden when it was finished and Derek as he was going through his his really rough times. And it's the combination of the writing and those amazing photographs that I think really changed the world of gardening forever because they, in a contemporary way, allowed people to understand that you could garden in a different way. And this isn't a National Trust garden, it's not an English heritage garden, but it had that sort of effect on the general population. The book became a Sunday Times bestseller and it influenced how people garden and it showed that you could be individual. What are your favourite gardening books? Funny enough, when I was a young warthog, uh, there was... (laughs) Nice. Lion King reference. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> um, my granddad had a book uh, by someone who you know, Alan Titchmarsh, and it was a kind of gardening by year to year or something like that. Or It was very much a practical book, like that Dr. Hessin book, How to Garden. And I picked it up 
and went through it and my granddad had wrote in different, written different bits of notes and pieces in it and I actually found that very useful when I was starting off as a very practical, as you have said about, you know, when I garden I like to be quite pragmatic and practical and do things and see how they're done and there was lots of pictures in that as to how to take a cutting, how to do this, how to do that. Um, I can't actually think of the name of the book but it's an Alan Titchmarsh book probably well out of print now because this is going back 20 years ago probably uh, but it was a really handy book just to learn as a new gardener what was there and the other book I picked up uh, another Gardener's World presenter was a Jeff Hamilton book about how to create a cottage garden. Oh, that was a big series he did and uh-huh. it was Make Your Own Cottage Garden and it was just when that idea of these really gentle gardens were coming back and it wasn't long before he passed away and he okay. created on a plot, on a brand new plot, a very beautiful garden, I think inside a year or 18 months. Yeah, yeah, and that's, it was a book that pretty much had zero pictures in it. I think the few middle pages had a couple of colour pictures, but the rest had very few. I picked it up in a charity shop for about a euro or two, and I really got into the depths of reading about it. Now, it, you talk about how things have changed. You know, he used Roundup to clear his site and he sprayed off and killed all the weeds and he started with a digger and uh, he had a very pristine manicured lawn, which would be something that we probably wouldn't do if we garden in that way. But it was a great way of learning about different plants, about how to use plants, about the whole concept of using annual plants to fill gaps, perennial plants to come back year after year, shrubs for structure, things for winter interest and all of those things. The very, very big basics of gardening that I uh, enjoy and that I like to kind of, I suppose, practice in my own gardens. Um, and I got to learn it all there. It's great. And isn't it funny how the people that we have generally talked about, Helen Dillon and uh, Alan Tishmarch and Jeff Hamilton, are really the parents of gardening, the guardians of gardening in these islands? Yeah, yeah, they're the ones that people probably will always come back to. Um, they're the ones that people, you know, as the term that you don't like, the celebrity gardeners, the people who were well-known figures who knew about gardening and, yeah, taught us all how to garden in a way. Are you looking forward to publication of our book? Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing it on the shelf and seeing the reaction to it. And uh, Would you call it, well, I mean, look, gardening hasn't changed. I say that gardening has changed, but the basis of our content is similar to what we've talked about in all those other books. We have our own take on it. We do our own ways of managing. We have our own ways of managing these plots. And we have our own gardens. We have Um, our own gardens. You talk about uh, the development, the evolution of your garden in County Carlow, and I talk about the development of my garden in County Wicklow, and our approaches are really quite different, and our, I would imagine our approaches are ever-changing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, how we garden, or the, you know, methods, some of those things will be uh, perennial, to use want of a horticultural word, but yeah, otherwise, we do have our own ways of doing it, and it's very much in our style, so looking forward to... Well, we haven't actually seen the book put together yet, so that's going to be exciting to see it. Yeah, it's more its the physical state. That's the process that I like, because then you have to get it and sell it, don't you? Really? Yeah. Oh well, if anyone's listening, could you buy our book <laughs> <laughs> next April? <laughs> Dirt with Dermot Gavin and Paul Smith, a Go Loud original. That was great. Really enjoyed that. Next week on Dirt, we're going to we're going up north. We are uh, going to see a garden and then you're going to inform us, tell us a story of another I'm garden. I'm going to tell you a story. It's a little bit Jack and Ori, but I'm going to tell you a really good story.
about? About a woman and a castle. And a garden? And a garden. Can't wait. Dirt is a Go Loud original that drops every Monday on the Go Loud app and wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe, like and leave a review, but only the nice ones. Dirt, a Go Loud original. Go out!